0: Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 396 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Settlement. It is February 3rd, 2023, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off the show here with a lovely little press release from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission regarding Activision Blizzard. Now, it sounds just immediately if you're hearing the sound of my voice with this, you're probably thinking, oh, good, you know, Activision Blizzard is going to have to pay for something. Great. Eh. So I'll just read this to you. The title is Activision Blizzard to pay $35 million for failing to maintain disclosure controls related to complaints of workplace misconduct and violating whistleblower protection rule. This was posted today, February 3rd. The Securities and Exchange Commission today announced that Activision Blizzard Inc., a video game development and publishing company, agreed to pay $35 million to settle that it failed to maintain disclosure control and procedures to ensure that the company could assess whether its disclosures pertaining to its workforce were adequate. The company also settled charges that it violated an SEC whistleblower protection rule. According to the SEC's order between 2018 and 2021, Activision Blizzard was aware that its ability to attract, retain, and motivate employees was a particularly important risk in its business, but it lacked controls and procedures among its separate business units to collect and analyze employee complaints of workplace misconduct. As a result, the company's management lacked sufficient information to understand the volume and substance of employee complaints about workplace misconduct and did not assess whether any material issues existed that would have required public disclosure. Separately, the SEC's order finds that between 2016, that's, you know, before the 2018 one they mentioned, and 2021... Activision Blizzard executed separation agreements in the ordinary course of its business that violated a commission whistleblower protection rule by requiring former employees to provide notice to the company if they received a request for information from the SEC staff. Which is <laughs> like, don't talk to them. That's really bad, you know. Quote, the SEC's order finds that Activision Blizzard failed to implement necessary controls to collect and review employee complaints about workplace misconduct, which left it without the means to determine whether larger issues existed that needed to be disclosed to investors, said Jason Burt, director of the SEC's Denver regional office. Quote, moreover, Taking action to impede former employees from communicating directly with the commission staff about a possible securities law violation is not only bad corporate governance, it is illegal." The SEC's order finds that Activision Blizzard violated Exchange Act Rules 13A through 15A and 21F through 17A. Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, Activision Blizzard agreed to a cease and desist order and to pay a $35 million penalty. And then it says who all was involved in this thing here. There's also an article from CNBC, which is, I think, where I saw it first before I found the um, SEC thing. And their article is titled Activision Blizzard Pays SEC $35 million to Settle Probe. There's a picture of Bobby Kotick looking confused um, in this one. I don't know if he was aware someone was taking his picture. It was taken on July 8, 2022. So here's a little bit from this article. Video game developer Activision Blizzard agreed to pay a $35 million settlement over charges it failed to maintain quote adequate end quote, control for collecting and assessing reports of workplace misconduct that had it had violated and that it violated federal whistleblower protection rules. The Security and Exchange Commission said Friday. I read you the quote from SEC director Jason Burt already. The settlement is not an admission or denial of wrongdoing, but concludes a probe that focused on Activision Blizzard standards from 2018 to 2021. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick was aware of reports of alleged sexual misconduct at the company, including alleged rape, the Wall Street Journal reported in 2021. Quote, Mr. Kotick could, would not have been informed of every report of misconduct at every Activision Blizzard company, nor would he be reasonably be expected nor would he reasonably be expected to have been updated on all personnel issues end quote, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson said at the time these these spokespeople don't seem to have names, so we don't know who's behind it, and that's kind of sketchy the SEC filing claimed Activision Blizzard required a significant number of departing employees, and I kind of went over this to not talk to the SEC in short, the SEC noted it wasn't aware that of uh, aware that of any specific instances where an employee was prevented from making a complaint or speaking to regulators, the SEC order did not explicitly mention Kotick or sexual harassment claims by some employees. Activision Blizzard has been under the SEC investigation over the company's handling of sexual and personal harassment since 2021, the Journal, Wall Street Journal previously reported. Yeah, Activision took steps from 2020 to 2022 to enhance procedures for handling employee complaints, the SEC Order noted. Quote, as the Order recognizes, we have enhanced our disclosure processes with regard to workplace reporting and updated our separation contract language, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson, who is also nameless, said on Friday... The company settled an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission probe in March for $18 million over related claims of retaliation in connection with sexual harassment claims. And in December, the Federal Trade Commission moved to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision, which was announced in January 2022. So that's a thing. So Activision Blizzard as a company loses $35 million to settle this probe because they couldn't get off their butts and actually work on things like good human human adults would do and try to maybe prevent a majority of your workforce or a large chunk of your workforce from being sexually harassed or abused while they're at work way to go bobby you know moving on i've got a thread here from the a better abk account which talks generally talks about unionizing so i'm going to read you some of this thread it's a little bit long but I think it's it's worth it. So it starts with this. Last year, QA employees across ABK came together in a joint effort to list several concerns and changes we wish to see around performance improvement plans and disciplinary practices in an open letter to management. On December 8th, 2022, this letter was delivered. Now, I think the performance improvement improvement plans and disciplinary practices might, maybe, and maybe it'll be clearer as I go on with this, might be the thing that has to do with if you are the manager or whatever of a group of people, you have to pick a couple of people or a quota of people, and even if they're doing really good work, you have to say, no, 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 you're not good enough, you can't get you know, the stock that other people are getting, and you won't be able to move up and this sort of thing. I think it might be that. If I'm wrong, I'll find out as I go through this. So, the next tweet says... Uh, oh, it's a partial tweet. So the letter was delivered to Minnesota QA leadership at the Eden Prairie office location. We received an email response from Activision leadership on December 13th, and we're incredibly disappointed to note that the concerns listed in this letter were blatantly and summarily ignored. So here's the letter. It's teeny, teeny type. So I'm just going to kind of go through it here. Central QA, thank you for sharing your concerns on December 8, 2022, and thank you for all the work you've been doing. Together, we We've just recently had some of the most successful game launches in our history with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and WoW Dragonflight. The QA work across the company is important and we're so appreciative of this team's impact. We are aligned with you in that we want to consistently improve our work environment and communication and in turn improve performance and productivity. So we're taking this opportunity to respond and address the concerns outlined in this letter there's a link to something there. Of course, you all as always th- your review of this letter and participation in this process is voluntary. It's voluntary, so here we go with some more stuff. Detailed responses are provided below. And your overall perspective, our, and our overall perspective, is that one, we only succeed as a team, so it's unfair when people don't carry their weight and responsibilities. Two, we're responding to feedback from employees that they are unduly burdened when their colleagues aren't showing up to work. Three, PIPs are a way to work with an employee to get better instead of discipline or termination, and PIPs are effective, which is why they're a common industry-wide business practice. So starting with number one, your request, a clear appeals process with the right to a co-worker witness of the employee's choosing, as well as a chance for the employee to present evidence that they have met job expectations. The performance review process is designed to be a dialogue between managers and employees only. Oh, so they can't have a friend come in and witness that? Great. During this dialogue and process, there is is ample opportunity for the employee to do a self-review and to provide feedback to the manager as well, including anything they feel shows that they are meeting job expectations. We believe the best and most fair approach to everyone across the company is to follow the existing performance review process and to keep the dialogue directly between the manager and the employee. Employees can always request that an HR representative attend the meeting, and this allows us to protect the employee's privacy. We want everyone Every employee to be successful and the performance review process helps with that. It exists to facilitate feedback and development. Okay, this is a bunch of manager speak, and what this boils down to is. Well, we don't want them to bring in a coworker because then that coworker would know things. Okay, we don't want that. Definitely don't want that. We want to make this private so we can weasel this worker out of things that they should be getting because clearly they are pulling their weight. That kind of thing. That's just sketchy as can be. Um, this is a long thing, so I'm just going to read you like one more. Oh, and that part about oh, employees feel burdened when their colleagues aren't showing up to work. Is someone sick? Is someone uh, taking care of a sick relative? Did someone get injured and is in the hospital? Did they catch COVID? You know, there's no, like... Clear explanation as to why they aren't showing up for work. And this is the type of response you get from huge corporations that don't really give a shit about their employees. You know, it's like, oh, it's on you to come in even if you're sick, you know, that kind of thing. And it just makes everybody's workplace worse than it was before. So I'll read you one more part of this. We'll do this one. Your request mandatory manager training on the concept of progressive discipline and a progressive discipline policy that includes at least two steps before termination. The company feels that its current method of performance management, education, skill building, coaching, and when necessary, the use of performance improvement plans, that's the PIP thing, and discipline is a fair approach. Our leads and managers are trained to provide coaching when a tester's performance is not meeting standards. And we feel this approach demonstrates the company's faith that the employee will be responsive to instructive guidance on how to meet their targets. We feel this fluid approach allows for our management. Managers to coach in a dynamic setting, and address severe underperformance as necessary. Our current plan of providing increased transparency around performance against milestones and a commitment to listening to our testers' perspectives about their own performance provides the employee a clear understanding of whether or not they are meeting expectations in their role without a progressive discipline progress. So it's it's basically this guy who is Josh. It only says Josh at the end of this. And there's more in here I'm not reading, but I'll put everything that I talk about on the show into the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com and you can check it out for yourself. But basically this is manager speak saying, yeah, we hear you, but we don't care. <laughs> That's what this is. It's disgusting. The thread from ABK continues... Uh, due to this and a refusal to meet with us regarding PIPs, we have chosen to refute their response publicly and bring our concerns to management by taking over a Q&A session. Choosing to ignore our demands on this ish- issue diminishes the experience and concerns of employees on performance improvement plans. One, a clear appeals process. Keeping certain aspects of employment between management and employees is important. However, we must keep in mind intent versus impact, a concept recently covered in zero-tolerance training. The intent might be to help the employee improve, but the impact of bringing an employee into a sudden meeting with two managers and an HR rep gives the exact opposite impression and can often be intimidating. Offering HR to be present does not alleviate this concern because HR cannot and will never be a neutral party. Performance reviews are a helpful tool when utilized correctly and in a timely manner. However, many QA employees across the company report that they have never had performance reviews or they've seldom had performance reviews. This lack of consistent performance reviews leads to employees being blindsided when receiving a PIP and strips employees' ability to present their reasons for underperformance. Two, progressive discipline. Our demand for progressive discipline is rooted in the foundational idea that all employees, regardless of reason, deserve a fair chance to improve their performance. Progressive discipline, when used correctly, allows for multiple steps prior to termination. Management has stated that something similar to this is already in practice. However, we have witnessed some of our colleagues undergo termination with no prior disciplinary steps. This is not progressive discipline, regardless of leadership's insistence that it is, quote, a fluid approach, as mentioned by leadership, leads to an inconsistent delivery of discipline. Similarly, the stack ranking system, we've heard about this When um, in the last show I talked about and all over social media as well about, well, you have to dig somebody so that we can look better as a company or whatever nonsense that happens to be. That's what they're mentioning in this part of this thread. Similarly, the stack ranking system at Blizzard has proven to negatively harm employees after one major life event with no recourse other than to accept a poor ranking while dealing with the fallout of personal circumstances. The lack of progressive discipline in both stack ranking and PIPs has shown they do not account for employees' human experiences. Three, a commitment to use PIPs for employee growth, as mentioned above, performance reviews do not occur consistently enough to be utilized as they are intended. This does not provide space for employees to present their perceived deficiencies and difficulties. The current performance improvement plan cannot, sorry, process cannot be used for employee growth due to the stress of termination, which in turn decreases employee productivity. The number of employees affected does not matter. If a single employee was mistreated during this process, the process, should be revised the revision of the performance improvement plan process is designed to protect the most vulnerable employees example disabled or bereaved employees regardless even intentionally poor performing employees deserve a fair chance of improvement that progressive discipline process process would uh, would provide goes on from here and um, they're really just going after it. There's a lot left to read, but you get the main idea. They're obviously ABK, a better ABK uh, Workers Union. ABK Workers Alliance is very upset about this whole situation and i could see why and after seeing what happened that i talked about in the previous show about a manager that did not want to give his workers a terrible score because he felt all of them were doing their best um and then left the company activision had to pay a bunch of money to the federal government and the through the sec and they're still apparently not willing to make any changes except throw money at it and that's just going to hurt employees The next thing I have has to do with um, Overwatch, Overwatch 2 specifically, and there's an article here titled, Overwatch 2's art director shares four key tips to becoming a video game artist. His name is Dion Rogers, and he shares essential advice on creating work that will get you noticed. This is the first of three posts offering Rogers best advice for aspiring game artists. There he is. And he's got a nice smile, and he's looking at the camera, and there's an Overwatch logo next to him, and it's all pretty cool, and there's definitely... Oh, look, this is actually the Activision Blizzard Substack. I did not realize that it was that, but that's okay. You can continue reading it if you just click the button. And so there are... He's got advice, I've read through this, about how to make your work stand out, and... And this sort of stuff. Um, He's got some. I'm just going to run over some little key points that he's put in here. Know the game, make what the company makes, uh, not as in financial, obviously, as we've seen here, um, (laughs) but like, you know, make your art sort of fit with, for this example, it was Overwatch, you know, create heroes that kind of fit into that color scheme and universe. Do your research so you know, like, about Overwatch in this case, so you can craft maps and things like that, and then have your references ready. Like, an artist reference isn't like someone says, yeah, they did a good job. It's um, where you look at different things so you can get, like, poses correct and this sort of thing. So I think he's probably offering very good advice for that, and I'd like to see more about what he does because I have a background in art, so I'm not going to join Activision Blizzard, but it's always interesting to see how other people think art should go or give advice to people that are brand new to it because you do need a lot of advice when you start. So I think this is actually a good thing. On the other hand uh, we have Uh, an official Blizzard post about Overwatch 2, and this one was posted just a couple days ago. It's called Defense Matrix Update. Streaming protection features and new actions for cheating. That's what this is. Uh, We've talked about this before, that there was a while back they were talking about putting something in place to uh, reduce cheating and whatever else. Well, here it is. So, this is... uh, This is some of the stuff here that uh, I'll read from this. With the launch of Overwatch 2, we have welcomed over 40 million players, both returning and new to the world of Overwatch, exclamation point at the end of that sentence for some reason since becoming free to play we've conne- we've continued to combat disruptive behaviors including gameplay sabotage abusive chat and cheating as explained in the introduction to our defense matrix initiative there's a link to wherever that was we've already made strides to push toward a fairer gaming experience for all our players today we have a few updates we'd like to share about how we're continuing to ensure overwatch 2 is a fun and safe game for everyone play. The first part says disruptive voice chat detection. In our previous blog, we announced that we would begin to identify and take action against those who are disruptive in voice chat through the use of our new voice-to-text transcription and AI learning algorithms. We've begun to roll out this new technology starting in season two for select regions, and it's proven to be exceptionally accurate and effective in identifying abusive chat and language. We've already begun working to stop disruptive players with applicable chat silencing and account suspensions as needed. This part's in bold. Remember to report anyone you find to be abusive, whether in voice chat or text chat, immediately as soon as you encounter it in your games. Reporting right away helps us take action on those accounts faster. Now, if I'm going to look at this from the viewpoint of a skeptic, which I tend to do with these things, I think... Blizzard is, and Overwatch you know, is hoping that what they're going to have people report would be things like anti Semitism, uh, harassing people of certain genders or any genders, um, any kind of. Uh, stuff that would get you banned from various internet sites like social media sites this sort of thing uh harassment i think i said that one um all these other things you know threats of violence towards you that is not within the gameplay you know like this is overwatch you can shoot each other but you there's things you can't say right i think they believe that somebody's going to have you know they're going to be the harassed person and they're going to say okay immediately I'm going to file a report about exactly this player and there's what they said and let, you know, the people checking this out over at Blizzard to sort it out. What I think might happen is there is a chance, and now I've never played Overwatch, so I don't know the community very well at all, but there is a chance that some of these awful people that are likely to get banned because they are being abusive in one way or another and they get caught... I think they're going to decide to report the person who reported them. I think that's what they're going to try to do to try to get around this. And I'm hoping that's not true, but I've, I don't know. I just, there are people who just will do that kind of stuff just to be mean, you know? especially if the person that they've been harassing is uh, someone that they think is female, whether or not they really are or not. Um, You could have a non-binary person sound female and not be, you know, (laughs) but um, and you could have a trans person sound female and and be, you know, either way, the way they're going with trans, you can be a trans woman or a trans man and sound different than you might think. And there are people that hate these groups of people and will probably try to say, oh, okay, well, you're... You're you're reporting me and I, I you know, get in trouble for it, so I'm gonna come after you now and say you've did all these things instead. I think it's just gonna make things worse, but I'm hoping. It's not going to get that bad. There's another part here, custom game moderation. Many of the custom games our players have come up with continue to be fun and creative ways to enjoy Overwatch 2. While we work to bring back our advanced workshop tools for custom game creators to use, we also want to make sure we're providing ways to make sure our custom games remain safe and enjoyable for all of our players. We will soon be adding in new moderation technology that works behind the scenes to automatically remove custom games containing inappropriate titles or content, along with issuing restrictions or account actions to those who create and post such custom games. And then again in bold, remember when you see any inappropriate custom game listing, be sure to open the Custom Games Information tab and report them. Here's the stuff with streamer protection. A part of maintaining a strong Overwatch 2 community is supporting our dedicated players who create content and live stream across various video platforms. A growing problem in live streaming communities is when disruptive players attempt to interfere with these content creators by trying to queue into the same match they want to play. Stream sniping is not an easy problem to solve, but starting in Season 3, we're introducing new streaming protection features that should be a huge step toward enabling content creators to share Overwatch 2 with their fans safely and without harassment from disruptive players. Players will now be able to hide their current battle tag or hide the tags of other players in the same game they play in on their own game client. This will prevent those who may be watching that player's live stream from identifying if they're in the same lobby. Players can also now hide the current queue times and even delay it for a random time before the game actually begins to find a match for that player. Replay codes can also be hidden from appearing in the game client. These features will be available starting in Season 3 for all players and can be found on the social options in your settings. I think that's a good thing right there. I think that is a good way to have a streamer who wants to play Overwatch 2 on stream not have to worry worry about someone coming in and i don't know being harassing and getting reported or whatever and then there's this thing about cheating we acknowledge that cheating continues to be a major concern for many of our high-ranked players so far we have actioned over fifty thousand accounts that we found to be cheating since the launch of overwatch 2 they have actioned them is this a new a new word for that i mean you banned them that's probably what you did (laughs) actioned them Okay. Along with taking action against cheaters, we want to discourage any incentive to take advantage of cheating, including grouping up with anyone who uses cheats and hacks. Oh. Okay. So, if you are... It is my understanding that Overwatch and Overwatch 2 are the type of thing where you end up in a group. Um, I don't know how much control you have over who's playing in that group, but if you're playing with someone who uses cheats and hacks, I guess it sounds like you could get in trouble too. Because they're part of your group. Now, maybe I'm wrong. As I said, I don't play Overwatch. It doesn't run on a Mac. Yeah. You know? Uh, Starting in Season 3, we'll be identifying players who willingly group up regularly with those flagged for cheating, and they will also face account action, even if they are not using cheats themselves. That's kind of scary, I think. Like, if you're someone new to Overwatch, and you jump in, and you happen to be with a group that's, you know, cheating, and you don't know it, I mean, you're gonna get dinged as well, so that's... I think that's gonna push players to only play in games where it's, like, friends of theirs that they know well, you know? And that might make it harder for new players to like find, you know, good people to play with. It continues, players who knowingly group up with cheaters are looking to take the same advantage as those who use cheats themselves, including boosting their accounts to skill levels they would not normally belong in with their own skill. Doing so creates unfair and imbalanced matches for many in our community and does not live up to our core value of play nice, play fair. While those who directly cheat are often permanently banned immediately, we will be issuing severe suspensions for extended amounts of time and in extreme cases outright bans to those grouping up with known cheaters. And in all caps, in bold letters, big letters, it says remember to report so they definitely want you to report people that are doing things that they're not supposed to be doing And it sounds like I don't play Overwatch I've said this a number of times here I want to make that clear, I've never played this game but if I was going to play a game that had this much sort of emphasis on report people i i think i'd be uncomfortable not because i'd be using cheats because honestly i wouldn't even know where to start with any of those but um i just feel like the more information that is constantly being pulled from anybody playing a game can be like you need some of that for moderation but every game and oh you got into this game with your buddy there who's cheating well you're a cheater too that's kind of harsh and I don't know we'll see how this works out if it bothers enough people there will definitely be you know arguments about it I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, 343 Industries and they make games they work on Halo and things like that and I've got an article here from GameSpot Titled, Phil Spencer says 343 Industries is, quote, critically important, end quote, to Halo. Microsoft gaming CEO Phil Spencer says the, that the heart and soul of Halo is with 343 Industries. This was posted on January 30, written by Darren Bonthus. So I'm going to read you a little bit of this. Times are tough at Microsoft right now, as the company recently slashed over hundred, sorry, 10,000 jobs. Holy cow, that's that's better than 100,000, but 10,000 is the actual number, uh, from its various divisions, including key staff at Halo Infinite Studio 343 Industries. With the future of the iconic Xbox franchise unclear, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer gave an update on 343's future without directly mentioning if the developer was working on a new single-player content. Quote, every year is critical, Spencer said to IGN. I don't find this year to be more or less critical. I feel good about our momentum. Obviously, we're going through some adjustments right now that are painful, but I think necessary. But it's really to set us up for, and the teams for a long-term success. Halo will remain critically important to what Xbox is doing, and 343, 343 is critically important to the success of Halo. The heart and soul of Halo is with 343 and the team that's there, and I have the other most confidence in the team that's there and leading and the plan that they have going forward as previous, a previous report uh, claimed that 343 would be taken off of active development on the Halo franchise, and that new games in the series would be created by third-party studios, but 343 has denied these reports. Quote, Halo and Master Chief are ready to stay Is it Chief? It's gotta be Chief. Uh, are here to stay. Studio head Pierre Hints said 343 Industries will continue to develop Halo now and in the future, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great. And just kind of goes on from there little bit. There's a Bloomberg article that uh, was actually behind a paywall, but MSN has it because a lot of companies that write articles about really anything, um, can end up on MSN if they have some sort of partnership between them. So, this was written, I don't even know how many days ago exactly, Um, but it's titled, Microsoft Studio Behind Halo Faces a Reboot on Years of Turmoil, written by Jason Schreier, who I mentioned in the previous show. That's the guy that um, put the name of the person working at Blizzard into his article without talking to him first. So... (laughs) Anyway, uh, here's a little bit from this. Microsoft Corp. says it's going to keep making new games in the popular Halo franchise at its prized 343 Industries Industries studio, despite rumors to the contrary, but after a leadership overhaul, mass layoffs, and a host of big changes, the outfit is all but starting from scratch. The Redmond, Washington based 343 Industries released its latest game, Halo Infinite in December of 2021 to widespread critical acclaim. It was seen as a redemption story for a title that suffered multiple delays, endless development problems, and a merry-go-round of creative leads. In the months that followed, fans turned against the game, complaining about a thin road map and the slow rollout of features that had been expected on day one. At the same time, 343 was seemingly losing staff by the week and went through major leadership change last fall that led some employees to brace for a reorganization. The axe fell in mid-January when Microsoft announced mass layoffs in 343 Industries was hit hard, while Microsoft declined to provide specific figures. At least 95 people at the company have lost their jobs, according to a spreadsheet of affected employees received reviewed by Bloomberg. The list named dozens of veterans, including top directors and contractors, upon which the studio heavily relies. Those temporary employees were given just a few days' warning before their contracts came to an end, according to people familiar with the process, asking not to be identified because they weren't authorized to speak publicly. The cuts led to rumors that 343 would farm out development of the Halo series to other game companies. Uh, Matt Booty, yeah, last name B-O-O-T-Y, head of Microsoft's Xbox Game Studios, said in an interview that, quote, 343 will continue as the internal developer for Halo and as the home of Halo. Internally, Booty has assured 343 staff that even as they work with outside partners and outsourcing houses, they will remain in charge. Questions remain, however, about the fate of the Halo franchise as the studio is hollowed out and makes big changes to how it develops games. Goes on from there a little bit. GeekWire has an article, Microsoft 343 Industries reportedly reorganizes after layoffs to chart future for Halo. It's probably similar stuff. It's mentioning uh, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, so it's probably about the same thing. A lot of these things kind of copy from other things, and that's fine. More people will see whatever's important. And moving on to Diablo now, finally. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, you may remember... A while back, there was all these things on at least Twitter, maybe other social media as well, about uh, Diablo Hells, Inc. Well, they're bringing it back. So Hells, Inc. Tattoo Shop Takeover Tour has... Reignited? <laughs> I'm not really... I'm sorry. I'm dyslexic. I can't handle this. So here's what the article's about. Last year, hundreds of dedicated fans from around the world lined up across eight cities to receive a permanent mark of Diablo during the Diablo Hells, Inc. Tattoo Shop Takeover Tour. Due to the popularity of the previous year, we're reigniting it for a second run with all new stops, shops, and sizzling hot tattoo designs. Each Diablo Hells, Inc. Takeover Shop will feature Some of the world's greatest tattoo artists creating bespoke tattoos inspired by the Diablo universe with their own unique art style and for a few lucky acolytes of the burning hells. For a few lucky acolytes. Okay, yeah, that. There will be four stops in total, three of which we have selected. It will be up to you use in all caps to help us decide our final stop for the hell's inc tour so here's the ones that they have selected they have las vegas february 2nd 2025 pittsburgh march 4th 2023 let me try that again (laughs) numbers man numbers i'm looking at a graphic that is moving lines around the screen and bouncing around so forgive me for not getting this all straight the first try so las vegas february 25 pittsburgh march 4th dallas uh, March 11th and then there's one that's just off to the side of this map of the United States that says fan selected location on March 15 so yeah Las Vegas Pittsburgh Dallas and a fan voted US City uh, they don't know who's going to be the artist there yet because they don't know where they're going to put this one. I really don't know a lot about specific tattoo artists. I think the work that tattoo artists do is amazing. I can't get it because I'm immune compromised really badly and allergic to so many things, but I'm happy for other people to go get these tattoos if they want them. Las Vegas, Nevada is going to have Revolt Studios headlining Joey Hamilton. Pittsburgh has Wild Child Tattoo headlining Sarah Miller. Dallas has eden body art studios headlining deanna james and whoever the fan voted one uh comes up to be i guess we'll find out later there's directions on this post about how to enter to get a custom diablo tattoo from one of these franchises submissions will be accepted from february 1st to february 7 winners will be contacted via direct message on their respective social media platform to verify eligibility and other prize related details Uh, Once Diablo fans from around the world choose the fourth stop of our tour, we'll announce later on our social media accounts how to enter for a chance to win a custom Diablo tattoo from that location. And there's some tattoo artist work here. Leave with ink and loot. It wouldn't be a proper Diablo experience without loot. Fans who receive either a flash tattoo or custom tattoo at any of our tour stops will also receive... Early access to the Diablo 4 open beta, the mother inked in game title for Diablo 4, and other exclusive Hell's Ink gifts. So that's what you need to know about that if you're interested in doing it. Carbot Animations has been putting uh, compilations of its Diablo LOL 2 compilations. Uh, The one that I'm looking at that was posted just two days ago is Act 3 Nightmare, so you can check that out. I think this is the one where they have... um, like a singing thing happening. I remember looking at part of that, but it's 10 minutes long. They're usually shorter than that. So they're kind of fun to watch if you want to check them out. The Blizzard forums for Diablo 2 Resurrected had on January 30, Radar community manager said, thanks to all the feedback on the PTR, some pretty significant changes will be coming up based off community feedback. Uh, And we know now that it's um, actually ended the, uh, yeah, Diablo 2 Resurrected, PTR 2.6, New Rune Words has ended. So uh, if you were thinking about getting into that, your time is up. Maxwell has a preview for the PTR 2.7.5 and Season 28 overview. This is for Diablo 3. And there's a lot of information in here about the the theme is Rites of Sanctuary. There's some description of that. There's theme details. It's got this picture here of basically the alphabet and little circles next to it with connecting lines. It's the altar of rights menu and select as you go. It looks like you have to work your way from the bottom of the chart to the top. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure but all the details are here for that if you want to check it out. It kind of reminds me of a smaller portion of what we once were shown with Diablo 4 with all the little dots and lines everywhere to try to fill in so that's a thing. It has the costs of different things in here, and uh, how seals and potions work, how to unlock those, uncover an ancient legend, unlock all the seals, Looks like Wings of Terror cosmetic kind of thing. And it goes on from there. I think Max does a really good job with all of the Diablo games. I haven't really looked into the other games that they do because I don't play them. <laughs> so this looks good, though. This looks really good if you want to know what to do uh, as far as that. Uh, the PTR, I think, is now going on now. Pure Diablo, they, are, uh, they do a lot of things, but they also have a podcast. And the most recent one that they put out was on February 1st titled The Future of Diablo, Diablo Podcast Slash Vidcast Episode 17. And that one included... Let's see who was there. Uh, let's see if I can see anybody's names on here. I, I can see uh, Nineball in there. I can see Dreadscythe. I'm not familiar with the other two's faces in there. I really wish... Oh, here it is. Okay, it's H.C. Xanth, Nineball, Angst, A.N.G.Z.T., and Dreadscythe. And they were there to talk about the future of Diablo 4. So check it out if, if you have the time and are so inclined, you know, I'm sure it'd be good with this group of people. I think they're probably doing good stuff. I've been super busy and i've been really sick because again immunocompromised so um i haven't caught up to any of these yet you could get them on youtube though if that's your thing and i there must be i don't know if it's just on youtube vidcast yeah i guess it's on youtube so um check it out there if you want i think they're probably from what i've seen just based on who has been involved in these when they talk to people about this i think they're making really good choices about very, very knowledgeable people who know probably more than me about the Diablo franchise and lore and things of that nature. So that's what I have for today. It's kind of a lot of different things that are both good and bad. The settlement thing was a surprise. I did not expect to see that today popping up in you know, in the news. I don't know. I mean, so Activision Blizzard has less money now, but is that really going to make a difference? I don't know. It doesn't sound like... They're really interested in doing good things for their employees overall, and they definitely don't like unions, so I don't know. It's not like that SEC thing was specifically about that, but still. I can't help but wonder what the regulators that are considering saying, you know what, Microsoft, you can't buy Activision Blizzard after all for these reasons, whatever those reasons may come out to be. I can't imagine that, you know, this, yes, we're going to pay you a bunch of money, and no, we're not going to change anything kind of thing is, like, that's going to make things worse, I think. But anyway, that's all I've got for today. Uh, So I'm going to close out the the show. You've been listening to episode 396 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You could also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soul Stone website. Thank you for listening. Um.